Get ready, loosen those vocals up, Tubbs. Here it comes. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. It's a dipping finish, but I think that Sally Pierce has got there. Oh, it's great safe. save again by Schwartz. Wonderful save. That's not a try, that's a miracle. Uh, out court. You're listening to the Crowd Catch. Buckle up as we dive in to all things sport. There's a Crowd Catch. And I think he's dropped his beard. Yes, welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Catch. We have an absolute action-packed episode coming your way today. Uh, there's plenty coming up this week. We've got the Melbourne Cup. We've got a special guest coming on to give you a quick preview and their, uh, their tip for that one. We've got a new segment as well, which we're very excited to bring to you. But first things first, I'll introduce the two average cricketers who are joining me once again. We've got Jack Howard, Zachary Gates. How are you boys going? I'm doing well, thanks, mates. And um, great to be here with another average cricketer and yourself, big fella. <laughs> I thought I'd let Zachary go first to hear how much he bit. He didn't that much. Um, I think he's a below average cricketer, just quietly. But you just mentioned it, Jimmy. Uh, we, we know that 2020 has been such a fascinating year for sport. Uh, but this is one of the most incredible scenes that we're going to see a Melbourne Cup and a State of Origin match on two consecutive days. <laughs> oh, yeah. State of Origin, I forgot to mention. Of course, that's happening this week as well. It's there's plenty to plenty to watch this week. Plenty to watch, but there's plenty to watch last week too. Boys, what caught your eyes? Uh, well, for me, uh, it was the absolute shellacking that the All Blacks handed the Wallabies <laughs> at ANZ Stadium. Uh, 43 to 5, the All Blacks secured another Bledis World Cup as their 18th consecutive uh, cup over the Wallabies. Um, it was also our biggest defeat against the Wallabies in 117 years. It only took it only took the Wallabies four minutes, I think, to cross the uh, All Blacks, sorry, four minutes to cross the line and they just kept piling on the points. And um, you know, it's a stark contrast for the first match where the Wallabies they they gave it to the All Blacks. But I think the All Blacks have turned that around and gone, that's not happening, boys. What caught my eye was Chris Gale becoming the first cricketer ever to hit 1,000 T26s last Friday. He notched his 1,000th sixth with a front foot pull shot over mid-wicket for Kings 11 Punjab in the Indian Premier League. Gale and Moosman. So that's 6,000 T20 runs. Only with sixes. How about that? In an indication of just how dominant Chris Gale has been with the bat in T20 cricket, he's hit 1,001 sixes. And second is, boys, have a guess. Who's, who's coming second in that race? Shane Watson. It's not Shane Watson. Jimmy the Jet? Aaron Finch. So not Aaron Finch, but both good guesses. Actually, one of his countrymen in Kieran Pollard on 690. So Chris Gale has smashed 1,001 sixes and Kieran Pollard way back on 690. Yeah, that's no, a pretty cool record. I hit one in under-12s cricket once. That was pretty sick too. But look, <laughs> I'm also on the cricket to today for what caught my eye. Of course, we've seen some uh, huge results with the bat and the Sheffield Shield, but mine came with the ball. It was Trent Copeland's second innings effort against Queensland. He uh, finished with figures of five for 17. At one stage, he was five for seven. 
And remarkably, it went 60 consecutive balls, the equivalent of 10 overs without conceding a run. And it wasn't just a couple of donkeys he knocked over. No, he knocked over four Australian batsmen in those five wickets, including Burns, Labuschagne, Guaja and Renshaw at 34 years old. It was great to see Copeland out of the, uh, the studio and in the action and absolutely killing it. Uh, good what caught my eye there, Jack. And um, going off the pies, I've seen you track down in the nets and in games, mate. You you might want to take a leaf out of uh, Trent Copeland's book. A boy from Bathurst too, uh, similar to myself, Trent Copeland. But, boys, before we move on to some State of Origin chat, um, just want to give a shout-out to avid listener of the Crowd Catch, John. He's uh, uh, the most recent listener to have given the Crowd Catch uh, a review. This is what he said. Really good sports chat. Loved the chemistry between the lads. Looking forward to some origin talk in the next few weeks. We've got, we've got that coming up, mate. And uh, some cricket also. These boys have a real future in sports podcasting. So he might be uh, a little bit on the generous side there because we mumble and mumble our ways through this. But look, the main thing is we have fun. How much fun. you pay him to say that, Gates? <laughs> Go on, big fella. Um, <laughs> but boys, as we've mentioned off the top, uh, State of Origin. It's, uh, would you believe it, State of Origin in November. Who would have thought? But that's... Uh, an indication of the crazy year we've had. Boys, how pumped are you for game one, of course, at Adelaide Oval between the Blues and Maroons? Yeah, mate, I can't wait. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't as pumped as I would usually be for the first state of origin on a Wednesday night. However, since losing footy altogether, it's been a long couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, look, I'm very excited for Wednesday night. should be a great game and uh, really excited now to see what's going to be delivered particularly after Wayne Bennett and Mal Meninga have taken the realms. I was thinking at the start of the year it was going to be a one-sided affair. But as we heard last week, uh, Wayne has definitely got a couple of tricks up his sleeve. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited as a New South Wales fan going into the series. Obviously, we're the, the favourites to win. I'll probably say we're favourites for a clean sweep. So um, I'm just ho- hopefully looking forward to a New South Wales dominant origin, regain some respect from that uh, dynasty that's fell apart not too long ago. Look, uh, being a Blues fan myself, I'm um, pretty excited for the same for the same reason. But if you scan back in origin history, there are a number of occasions where the undertoggers come out on top. Back in 1995, boys, uh, this has popped up in the media a couple of times recently ahead of this uh, series where the Blues are clear favourites, where uh, the Maroon squad was decimated by the ban on Super League-aligned players. Paul Vorton was also coaching uh, his first... Origin series. Um, no one gave Queensland a chance of winning, but they actually come out and won the series 3-0 in a clean sweep. They didn't have Mal Meninga, Alan Langer, Kevy Walters, Gordon Tallis and Steve Renoff, but they, they came out and uh, with their backs against the wall and just stunned the rugby league world. Yeah, look, uh, it, 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 it's a game of footy. Um, let's not forget what two weeks before finals, the Bulldogs came out and, and beat the Bunnies and then the Bunnies were probably one of the informed teams in the final series. Anything can happen out there. For me, New South Wales need to win 3-0. Uh, we've got a young team and we've got the better team. And uh, I think last series, we just didn't look like we knew how to ice games off, particularly in that last game when we really opened the door for a late comeback from Queensland and they almost picked us at the post. I think uh, a 3-0 win would go a long way for this Blues team. And, and Jimmy mentioned a dynasty. I think if they can uh, get some confidence out of a really dominant series, then uh, that could be really dangerous for Queensland for years to come. Yeah, well, we do have the experience on our side, which is uh, probably the, one of the biggest factors. We've obviously got quality players, but 
a lot of them have played Origin before, fair bit of experience coming in, whereas uh, Queensland, they're pretty much a side of debutantes, um, you know, with the exclusion of maybe Cherry Evans, Josh Papali. Most of their side are coming in very fresh, um, little to no origin. A lot of players have played very little NRL. you got Tino Fumasali, or however you say his last name. He's only played a handful of NRL. AJ Brimson's their fullback. He's played, like, nine games this year, something like that. So a lot of their players aren't even that experienced in the NRL arena, and they're getting thrown into state of origin, which, you know, the biggest washing machine there is in rugby league. So... Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how those rookies take the challenge if they step up to it and maybe just thrive on it or if the experience of, of uh, the Blues boys absolutely roll over the top of them. The biggest washing machine in the NRL, mate, you wouldn't even know what one looks like. <laughs> I don't know how to use one, but it looks like a washing machine out there. Your mum definitely does know how to use some. If I scare my memory back to uni, mate, you used to bundle up your clothes into a big bag once every six months, um, jump in your car and head back to Barrel and make your mum do it. Oh, poor man. Jocelyn, poor Jocelyn. Shout out to Mark and Jocelyn. <laughs> but boys, no. Yeah, thanks, mum. As, as, as you min- mentioned there, Jimmy, the jet, the Maroons are packed full of uh, debutantes. They've got eight debutantes in uh, AJ Brimson, Xavier Coates, Brenko Lee, Philip Sammy, Jake Friend, Tino Fasul Malawi, Lindsay Collins, and Jaden Sua. As you say, not only are they origin debutants, but um, there are a few names there who a lot of people in the rugby league world wouldn't have even heard of. On the other hand, the Blues only have three debutants in Clint Gutherson, uh, Luke Keery, and Junior Paulo. And not only are they uh, uncapped origin players, but they're stars of the NRL, particularly Clint Gutherson and Luke Keery. Nonetheless, there are some stars set to run out for the Maroons and um, some matchups. I'm looking forward to locking my eyes on a, the matchup between Dan Gagai, who's a try scoring machine at origin level, and uh, Clint Gutherson, Cam Munster and Luke Keary, DC versus Cleary, and uh, the Battle of the Hookers, Jake Friend and Damian Cook. That should be a belter. Yeah, for me, I, I put the responsibility of this Queensland team on, on two players, Cameron Munster in the bats and to steer the team around and Josh Papali up front. Papali's the form forward of the competition, and uh, I think most people would probably agree that he's in the weaker forward pack, and uh, the depth of the New South Wales forward pack coming off the bench. Uh, Papali will need to bring all of the form and some, and I think Munster will really need to steer the ship around well with DCE. Yeah, um, and I think a lot has to be said of the New South Wales halves as well, and Cleary and Kiri. Obviously, two very talented players in their own right, but um, we'll see how they go as a partnership. Obviously, there was a bit of chat about Whiten could potentially be in that six, but uh, he's been um, thrown in the centres. So th- there's a lot of options for New South Wales. Obviously, Cody Walker's on the 14 um, in, on the bench as well. So, you know, Freddie had a lot of options to fill that, um, that halves pairing, and he's gone to Cleary Kieran. So hopefully he's picked the right one there. You know who I'm, who I'm absolutely stoked for? We mentioned those eight uncapped Maroons players, and I'm really happy for Jake Friend. He's played 263 games since debuting in the NRL in 2008. But, of course, for the vast majority of that period, he's been behind Cameron Smith uh, in the pecking order. Cameron Smith, for so long, was, of course, the Maroons' first-choice hooker. Um, and then when Cameron Smith hung up the boots, I think, after Game 3 of the 2017 series, the baton was passed to Andrew McCulloch in uh, 2018 and then Ben Hunt played at hooker for Queensland last year well finally Jake Friend after bashing down the door for over a decade gets his crack and I'm, I'm stoked for him 
Yeah, no, look, it, uh, it's really well-deserved. And I, I think there were a couple of very untimely injuries for Friends between 2017 to now to delay this debut. But it, he's been picked for his experience and his calm-headedness. So I, I think that's a great selection for them. Look, it, it should be a cracking game. I dare say we've got our tip, which is uh, New South Wales. Boys, will New South Wales do it in the whitewash? And can we maybe get a, a margin or a first try scorer to try and... Um, to get a little bit more interesting here. I'm picking for the series of New South Wales whitewash 3-0. I reckon um, we could we could blow out the score, I think. Um, New South Wales uh, by 13 plus and uh, let's go Jack White and across the line. We all love our tips, whether it's leading up to the NRL Grand Final, the AFL Grand Final or the State of Origin Series. We love our tips. I'll go 3-0. That's a bit boring, the Jimmy the Jet. Come on, mate. It's not me playing you in Mario Cup. <laughs> um, <laughs> I might go 2-1 to the Blues um, I'll say the Blues will win Game 1 of course in Adelaide By 12 points And I'll say first try scorer Will be Josh Adokar well, yeah, I'll go 14 points uh, Whitewash, a bigger whitewash Than myself in the shower coming up here 14-0 and I might say Tyson Frizzell across the line First, uh, he's had a bit of a bleak year With a uh, uh, average team, but he's, he's, he's back in the blue jersey before he heads south or north, I should say, to Newcastle. So looking forward to his resurrection starting on Wednesday. You should put some money on that, Jack. Put money where your mouth is. Radio, I will. <laughs> 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 no, look, I'll, I'll wait to see what our, um, our, our guests in, in a little bit of time's uh, tips will do on Tuesday. If they come off, then I'll um, back it up for Wednesday. But look, boys, before we get there, uh, as we also floated, new segment coming up. Uh, it's called Red Light, Green Light. Boys, you've trusted me with the intro. I'll give it a quick play. Let me know what you think. Fantastic, mate. And uh, boys, how about I get us kick-started? We've all jumped on board for episode 25 of the Crowd Catch with our own red light, green light. My red light, green light is Australian cricket is finally on the verge of another era of batting dominance. Red light or green light? Red light. Huge red light. There's not enough there to say there is. We've got two talented, untested rookies that, um, you know, obviously have big wraps on them. But you can't say they're going to bring in a era of dominance in the test arena. Aside from that, it's still a relatively, you know, the same side we've had for the past couple of years with Smith and Warner. I can't say we've got an era of dominance in the international arena coming up. Not, not at all. Yeah, look, I agree. I, I will say that the most promising sign moving forward is the fact that we seem to have found a good number three batsman. Number three is the most important position in a, in a batting lineup. And since Ponting, we haven't had a consistent number three we could be lying on. And let's not forget that Ponting's last 18 months was pretty bleak on the runs. So it's almost been a decade since we haven't had a good number three. Um, but we're still unproven all over the park. David Warner at the top still doesn't have a cemented partner. And Warner can't buy a run on the international soil at the moment. He had a woeful series in South Africa before the band. Then I think he had his lightest ever series in England. It comes back as a flat-track bully against a crappy Pakistan team. So at the top of the order, we're still extremely shaky. We don't even know who, who he'll be opening with. And look at Manus Labashan, I just mentioned, has been very promising. But again, these were just runs on flat tracks in Australia 
against the Pakistan team. So I think how they take on Boomer at the top of the order will be an extremely important battle this year, and that will be a good indication. But we need to see us perform outside of Australia, and we, we still haven't really done that bar Smith uh, for quite some time. Well, boys, I might be looking through my rose-tinted glasses, but I'm going to give this a green light. Of course, it has been a long time since we had Michael Clark, Ricky Ponting, Michael Hussey, uh, really strong members of that uh, top six. Um, and, of course, before them, Matty Hayden, Justin Langer, uh, Damian Martin, Adam Gilchrist. But I look at uh, the current setup, and I see a lot of promise. In Marnus Labashane, who's, I think he's only 26, he's just taken to test cricket like a duck to water. And uh, he's looking like he'll be not just our first drop batsman for the next six to eight plus years, but a really successful one. And then with him, you've got Will Pogowski coming through. Some experts have labelled him the most promising young batsman since uh, Ricky Ponting burst onto the scene at the Wacker in 1995. Cameron Green, he's really promising with the bat and the ball. Travis Head and even Marcus Harris and, uh, and Cam Bancroft. I think there is now a lot of support for uh, Steve Smith and David Warner. Marcus Harris and Cam Bancroft have done absolutely shit haul in the Australian team since both of them have had their runs. And I think that's a big point to remember is uh, you listed a couple of our successful batsmen, but there's been a much, much larger list of batsmen that have not been able to transform state runs into national runs. Uh, we see it all the time. So yes, this Will Pavosky, uh, Cameron Green, both promising players. As was Harris, as was Bancroft, both failed at the top. Sean Marsh is your best example of a player that can score runs at the state level, can't do it at a national level. So, yeah, it, it, it's promising that we have much more, many more players knocking down the door, Zachary. But, yeah, look, it's, it's a red light, but we probably should move on. We'll let you have final say, Zachary, before we move on. Oh, boys, the only final thing I wanted to say was, uh, speaking of Sheffield Shield runs, wasn't it awesome to see, uh, unless you're a bowler yourself, it was awesome to see Will Pukowski and Marcus Harris combine for the highest partnership for any wicket in Sheffield Shield history on the weekend. The record was previously 464 by the Wall Brothers way back in 1990. But uh, Pukowski and Harris combined at the top of the order. They opened the batting for Victoria on the weekend and uh, put together a partnership of 486. Pukowski finishing unbeaten on 255 and uh, Marcus Harris on 239. Yes, it was a flat track at Glenelg, I believe, in South Australia against the Redbacks. But um, it was a day for the statisticians, that is for sure. Yeah, there were uh, some kids playing out the front of my house on the road, and I think that was offering a little bit more than that pitch was, Zachary. But, no, look, an incredible record, and I'll keep the theme of cricket for my red light, green light this week. Uh, Australia has announced their squad for the white ball cricket stuff to be played against India. And a shock inclusion is Moses Enriquez at the ripe age of 33. Obviously, he's had a fantastic big bash, which I believe went on to win with the Sydney Sixers. But, boys... Thoughts on, we've just mentioned so many promising players. Is it a backward step, red light or green light for Enrique's selection? Boys, I'm going to give this a, uh, a green light, actually. And mainly from the perspective that, of course, the next T20 World Cup is coming up next year in 2021. We all know that when it comes to short-form cricket, whether it's T20 cricket or ODI cricket, you cannot have enough all-rounders. The value of all-rounders, considering the fact that they can bat, they can bowl, most of them are good fielders as well. They're just so important in short-form cricket. And Moses Enriques, although he wouldn't make 
let's be honest, he wouldn't make Australia. If you're picking Australia's 11 for the first game of the T20 World Cup today, Mozon Riggs wouldn't be in it, but he gives you depth. Pat Cummins is, you know, a handy all-rounder at, uh, in short-form cricket. So is, um, you know, the likes of uh, Mitchell Stark and uh, Cameron Green's coming through. Mitchell Masters, of course, there. Glenn Maxwell, if he's actually able to bowl his offies. But uh, Mozon Reese just gives you some extra depth. Yeah, no, it's a green light for me too, boys. Um, I think he's got a lot of experience for sure. He's a veteran of the Big Bash Arena. He's got a lot of experience in, um, with T20 in the short form. You know, he's not going to come into the Australian team and be the star. You know, they've got their stars already in that team. I think they just need to build up the foundation around those stars and just have a solid team that, they know that can be consistent and just can bank on some runs. And Mozakong Rik is one of those players who you can rely on to at least go out there and do a job. You know, he, he the burden probably won't be on him to win matches or to hit the bulk of the runs, but he's going to be in there to, you know, help out those other players, rotate the strike and just do what he can for the team. And um, he's also, he can roll the arm over. I don't think he will, but there's the chance for that. You know, he's he'll bring a lot to the team. Um, with his Spotify subscription as well, he like <laughs> your team will be playing music in the dressing shed. So up near, well, who knows? He might pull out uh, dust off the Spotify account and um, start blasting uh, his favourite podcast over the speakers. The crowd catch. <laughs> yeah, look, we'll, um, he might not like it as much when I give it a big red light myself. And why is that, mate? You're not a fan of Enriquez? Oh, look, you just touched on you. What we got a, a, a year to a World Cup. Um, there's plenty of. Uh, Brilliant players, um, none more so than the opener of the Sydney Sixers team, Josh Philippe, that I think, um, you know, a year under their belt could have turned into anything before that World Cup. So I don't think his bowling's at a standard which we'd use. I can't see Coley being absolutely killing it and Finch throwing on Rikers for an over or two. I, you know, I don't think he's a good enough bowler. So, no, I think there was um, some bright talent coming through. It was a feel-good selection, though, wasn't it? We all know that in recent years, most on Rikers has been doing it pretty tough mentally. Uh, so the fact that he's managed to crack his way back into the Australian, into the Australian fold is positive. But uh, Coman, rounding out red light, green light, what have you got, big fella? Yeah, right, boys. We're switching from cricket back to rugby league. Bit more origin chat. Clint Gutherson playing centre for New South Wales. Red light, green light. Ooh, yeah, oh, this is the toughest, I reckon. Look, I'm going to go red light. Um, oh, I think you need Gutherson in your 17. Um, but to me, he just seems like a perfect utility player. He has played in the NRL as number six. He's also played there as a fullback. And obviously, Freddie thinks he's good enough to play in the centres. So personally, I think he's more versatile and would be a better utility player than Walker. So I'd probably have Gutherson in that utility position and look at blooding one of these young, promising centres. What a perfect time to do it. Yeah, boys, I'll, uh, I've got to agree with Jack there and go with Greenlight. Um, I think you just got to fit him into the 17. He's can't play him on a wing because he's not quick enough. You're not going to play him at fullback because arguably the uh, best player in World Rugby League is there in James Tedesco. So you slot him into the centres. He's obviously better in attack than he is in defence, and we saw that in uh, the Eels' final match of the season in their, uh, what was it? It was their semi-final, wasn't it, against the Rabbitohs at Bankwest Stadium, where he, on the back of Clint Gutherson, uh, the Eels remained in the game. He, I think he set up two tries in the first half and scored a couple as well. And that's a really strong point for the Blues, I think, heading into the first match at Adelaide Oval. Clint Gutherson and Jack Whiten in the centres, I reckon, in attack particularly, those two are very dangerous. 
Yeah, well, it's a it's a red light for me. Um, I don't think uh, he should be in the centres. I I I was um on the same page with Jack, and he think he should be in the fourteen jersey. Um, you got to have him in your side. Like he's an absolute gun, especially this year. So, you know, he's got to be in there somewhere. And it is a bit tricky when you've got James Tedesco up fullback and Guthers a fullback. So, um, he's not going to be taking Tedesco's spot. But I think with Whiten playing in uh, the other centre, that's two players who normally don't play centre ever. And then they come into the Origin Arena and we've got two centres playing out of position. So I think maybe chucking someone like a Lomax in there. Um, yeah. Give him, give him, you know, give him the start um, as a as a young, young up-and-coming player. Give him the experience. You know, he could be there for a long time. Um, and, you know, it would really strengthen our defensive line if we've got at least one centre who knows the defensive structure um, instead of two playing out of position. Sounds like your dog's a Lomax fan in the background there. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Buck said his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, looking forward to the origin, but before that, we have a Melbourne Cup, the race that stops the nation, and really excited to welcome this next guy back on the podcast. He's our first ever return, uh, I guess, guest. It's uh, all the way from Melbourne. It's Willie Gooch. G'day, mate. Yeah, g'day, boys. How are we? You're very good, mate. You're joining us from Melbourne. How's the lockdown been down there? Oh, Mate, lockdown's going well. I've been in lockdown as long as I haven't been on the podcast. I got shafted after a 25-week <laughs> hiatus. I give you a tip that ran second by eyelash, and I'm, and I'm on the back bench. What's going yeah. on there? You've had a long time to think about your actions. Now you've got your chance to redeem yourself here at the Melbourne Cup. Mate, Gucci's gems turned to Gucci's coal. No, look, uh, we, we've got you on here for a gem, Gucci. Melbourne Cup tomorrow, mate. We, we know you've had a little bit of extra time uh, down there with some, some more time on your hands. So have a good little prep. What's your hot tip for tomorrow? Yeah, look, you've given me a pretty hard task to pick the Melbourne Cup, probably the hardest uh, race to actually tip. But I've nailed it down to two horses that I actually seem to like. So... The first being very elegant. So this is the Caulfield Cup winner. Um, it's a proven long-distance runner. Basically, though, what could happen, well, what does happen with the Melbourne Cup is the two miles generally kind of starts to upset the motors of the horse. So there's that. But I'm back and very elegant. And the other one that I've got written down is Russian Camelot, which has basically just got an engine. Um, hasn't been in the greatest form of, as of late. But, yeah, so I dare say, though, very elegant to get over the top. But if you want a safe bet, I'd honestly go just a place bet for Prince of Iran. So finished third last year, and they'll be in the finish this year. There you go. A lovely couple of tips there. Very elegant and Australian horse, I believe, Gucci. Correct. So everyone's kind of back in Anthony Van Dyke. Um, Irish horse, uh, very quick. But, honestly, I like to look at very elegant. Mate, I've got to say, I like the look of very elegant too. A bit like James Coleman on the D4. Very elegant, especially, <laughs> in the, especially, especially in the eyes of the ladies. Oh, yeah. Very elegant is the word to describe it. Uh, very elegant is not the way to describe it. But, Gucci, we've heard from you for your tips, but we might ask you to hang around uh, into trivia if that's okay. In, in Gatesy, do you want to hit the button? <laughs> So you just love the sound of that, and uh, Gutierrez, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you are thinking the same thing. But boys, um, of course, Gucci is hanging around to join us for trivia, and uh, let's <laughs> let's waste no longer and dive headfirst into it. 
That sound effect's brilliant, boys. <laughs> well, tell you what's even better than the sound effect. The stubby cooler that goes with it, mate. We, we know how much you like sinking some frothies. You'd like it even more if they're 50% better, and that's what these stubby coolers are, scientifically proven to make your beer taste 50% better. Uh, first and foremost, Gucci, you need to pick your topic. Who's taller, who's played more, or true or false? Mate, take your pick. I've had a look at my emails and I've been told not to pick a specific category, so I'll go true or false. <laughs> true or false, alrighty. Are you ready, big fella? Certainly am, mate. First one, it's AFL related. Oh, goody. Okay, well, mate, you do live in Melbourne, so of course you're an avid AFL fan. Okay, one, Ryan O'Keefe is the only Sydney Swans player to have won a Norm Smith medal. True. He's off and running! <laughs> Two, a State of Origin match was first played in Melbourne in 1990. Alex. Sorry, mate, you're going to have to wait for that stubby cooler. Oh! First State of Origin match in Melbourne was indeed played in 1990. Very good. Well, Gucci, you can have a chance to turn around with your Gucci armor and try and stuff us, mate. We believe you have a question up your sleeve. I do, boys, and unsurprisingly to all of you, it's about the mighty Melbourne Storm, the Purple Pride. In the 1999 NRL Grand Final, Jamie Ainscoff famously head-high tackled Craig Smith for a penalty try. Who took the subsequent penalty goal and conversion? Brett Kamali. Oh! What was How that? Did he miss that? Nice, Gary! Matt Orford. Whoa! Gosh! Oh boy, that wasn't even close. I can't, can't think of who would be kicking in 1999. Oh dear. Boys, it was 5'8 at the time, it was Matt Geyer who got put on the wing basically the next few seasons afterwards. Storm legend. No, he definitely is a legend. Matt Guy, I believe, is actually the second greatest try scorer in Melbourne Storm history behind Billy Slater. So, mate, uh, you stumped us there. Thanks, Gucci, and we will roll on. Gatesy, you're the one who will very eagerly to jump straight in, mate. Uh, you can go first. All right, boys. Are uh, you going to get this one? Last Probably week we, we weren't. <laughs> last week we weren't too good with our trivia. So, are we able to right our wrongs? Question one: Cast your memory back to the moment Jared Hayne scored that famous try on his State of Origin debut, where he flirted with the sideline. Who was his closest pursuer? Nice, Gary! Uh, I dare say one of the wingers at the time was Brent Tate. So he collected the ball off a Brent Tate kick, but uh, Brent Tate was not his closest pursuer. Oh dear! Will that come back to haunt him? Was it Billy Slater? Wasn't Billy Slater either. Oh, wow, can you believe that? It was Justin Hodges. Uh-huh. So Justin Hodges was chasing after him as he was tiptoeing down the sideline, uh, put the kick in, the grubber in, of course he regathered it, crossed over the, crushed over the white line and Justin Hodges was his closest pursuer. Hodges even landed on top of him uh, once he had crossed the white line. But boys, <coughs> question number two. I listened to a terrific pod... <laughs> A terrific episode of the Great Cricketer podcast featuring Sir Curtly Ambrose on the weekend. If you haven't tuned into it, check that out. At which Australian venue did Ambrose take seven for one in one of the most incredible spells of fast bowling uh, way back in 
1993. Nice, Gary! Yes, AJ. Oh, how has he missed that? The whacker. He has gobbled it up! Oh, hey! I will admit I just threw a line out then and managed to pull in the whacker. Yeah, no, well, it was an educated guess, of course, because, uh, of course, they don't play at the Wacker anymore. But uh, back in the day when they did play at the Wacker, it was a trampoline. It was um, a heaven. It was a paradise for fast bowlers, of, particularly of the mould of Curtly Ambrose. But, boys, who's uh, who's testing me now? Can we have a, quickly get a, a score update? If Jimmy's just added one to his tally, how's that looking? Okay, if uh, we're adding in Jimmy the Jets' score there, Jack is leading the way on 27. Coleman is on 21, and I am on 18 points, but feeling confident. All right. <laughs> I, I, can, I can fire off some questions. Um, Melbourne Cup, Michelle Payne became the first female jockey to win. I'm um, after the horse she was on and what year? I think it was 2015. Prince of... Prince of... Um, well, it starts at the P. Prince of Pat Pezies. Uh, it wasn't necessarily 2015 either. Zachary, oh, do you want a quick stab and we might revisit if Jimmy was correct or not correct? I will I will have a stab. Um, if I'm having an educated guess, I think it was 2014 and I will go with Prince of Pain. No. Oh! Take it. Okay, I might give it to Michelle Jimmy then. He was pretty close. It was 2015. It was the Prince of Panzan. 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 I'll I'll give it to you, Jimmy. you got the year and you got you got pretty close there, mate. Um, I was confident James would get the year because we were at first year uni, pretty pissed at the uni pub watching that together. So I'll tell you. There you go. Radio, next one. Uh, Queensland Origin Game 3 last year. Who was kicking the goals for Queensland? Valentine Holmes. Oh, goodness me. That was never going to be good. Doing the NFL, mate. Not sure. Yeah, of course. He hadn't uh, come back to the NRL and joined the Cowboys just yet. Uh, who was kicking the goals? Oh, what a delivery. Ben Hunt. I can't believe it. What is going on? No, it was Ethan Lowe, actually. Oh, well. I'll keep the ball rolling. So I've got a bit of a theme to my trivia this week. See how you go. Interested to see how you go. Hopefully it's uh, more enjoyable than Zachary's theme or <laughs> impossible. <laughs> yeah, Mate, excuse me, Coleman snapped up one of them. Anyway, who is the major sponsor of the Melbourne Storm? Oh, what a delivery! Red Z. Correct. Well done. You beauty! At that time you got a point. <laughs> who is the naming rights sponsor of this year's State of Origin? Brighton Lawyers. Oh, what's happened there? What has he done? Incorrect. Uh, I believe Brighton Lawyers are supporting the Blues. Oh, what a delivery! Um, who's supporting the State of Origin series? Harvey Norman? Incorrect. There's a new sponsor this year, uh, recently announced, Ampol. Uh, it's a petrol company. So it's the Ampole State of Origin series this year. All righty, well, boys, we'll quickly round it out with our three tips for the week. Now, um, I believe Jimmy and I, our tips didn't get up last week. However, uh, Zachary, you've been kind enough to hold off until next week because we have something special 
in store for the listeners. So we'll, we'll save them a week and um, you can get creative in that time. Um, I might soldier straight on first. My three things, my sure thing is for the Blues to win game one. No surprises there. My pressure cooker is Cameron Munster. Um, we all love a bender and spent some awesome scenes over the week of Cameron Munster heading into Queensland camp. Pretty bloody rough. However, uh, you know, Queenslanders take their origin pretty seriously and you'll want to have a good game because if he doesn't have a good game, I think um, the laughter and the jokes around uh, the stage he went into the squad will quickly be turned against him by the Queensland faithful. They probably won't be too impressed. And my one to watch, uh, thank you very much, William Gooch. It's very elegant in the cup. <laughs> Following on from Willie Gooch's tip there, my, um, my sure bet this week, um, I've gone Jack Whiten to score in State of Origin. Um, hopefully, Jackie Boy gets across the line. Pressure cooker, I've got AJ Brimson. Uh, he's making his debut for Queensland at fullback, and uh, he's only played nine games this year. Um, and not many in his career. So there's a fair bit of pressure on poor little AJ um, to wear the number one for Queensland in state of origin on Wednesday. And my one to watch this week is the Brisbane Heat versus the Adelaide Strikers on Saturday. Uh, That's a grand final rematch. So the Heat played the Strikers in uh, the WBBL grand final last year. The Heat got the edge there. Um, So let's see if the Adelaide Strikers can get some revenge on Saturday. AJ Brimson definitely does uh, have a whole lot of pressure looking back on him. You could say AJ Brimson is set to face the fire and a brimstone. But boys, <laughs> as for me, my sure bet is Daniel Tupo to score a try in the State of Origin opener. In four appearances for the Blues, I think he made his most recent back in uh, 2015. He hasn't bagged a four-pointer. Uh, but we know he's got a freakish leap and Nathan Cleary is brilliant off the boot. So I'm tipping him to break the hoodoo. In the pressure cooker, I'm putting Joe Burns. He opened the batting with David Warner uh, in Australia's most recent test match against New Zealand earlier this year, but has had a very disappointing to his Sheffield Shield campaign, scoring just 36 runs over his first two matches. On the other hand, Marcus Harris, Will Pekoski, Cameron Bancroft, Jake Weatherald and Sam Whiteman have all turned up in the early rounds of the Sheffield Shield. So Joe Burns, the Queenslander, pressure is on. And boys, lastly, my one to watch is the Indian Premier League finals beginning on Thursday and culminating in the decider next Tuesday. What a big week of sport we have coming up. Enjoy the Melbourne Cup. Don't get too hungover, though, uh, to all our listeners, because there's a big Wednesday you need to back up. Of course, most of us have work both days. Looking forward to catching you again next week. Until then, keep your eye on the ball, because you never know when another catch may just come your way.